every person's responsibility to find what their highest calling is in this life and to pursue that with with all of the capability that they have as a human being. I needed to learn when to talk and when to listen in that relationship, basically. And the second part was I needed to learn how to talk and how to listen. And I realized that a part of that communication is realizing that different people are motivated by different things. Like, it might just be some dude standing at a door who's like, oh, well, hello there, son. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, yeah. Out of the Abyss and Into My Skin, Part 2. Have you ever wondered why it seems that for every generation throughout the centuries in the vicinity of our times, someone of the most ordinary blood rises with the pulse of the human conscience in hand and destroys our narrow world like a colossus? Mahatma Gandhi Martin Luther King, Jr. Nelson Mandela. You can add yours. And how do they do this, even while petty men and petty women walk under their huge legs, peeping about in search of fault, drifting ever so slowly on Shakespearean sludge into dishonorable graves? merely to be exhumed in the morrow's sun beneath which those there awake maybe to learn how. Now, you nor I may not be situated, privileged, called, or keen to lift such human burdens above some other groundhog day, God forbid, but maybe, just maybe, we've seen the abyss, we've been to the abyss, someone is in the abyss, maybe, just maybe, we are keenly aware of those winds those oppressive forces, cruel forces, dysfunctional acts, regressive habits within and without. Regardless of how they might be rationalized, their only effect is to keep us under. The fault, to short-quote Shakespeare, my dear friends, is not in our stars, but in us. Today, if we listen, we'll hear, see, and feel what one young lad is doing to rectify just that. My name is Neville D'Angelo. You are on the journey. Along the journey, we stop at intriguing places and meet fascinating people with novel solutions to some of life's tricky questions. And we play a few games and track the remarkable characters of three classic books, A Soundbite Life, Flight of the Fused Monkeys, and Illicet, A Time to Begin Again, all of which can be found on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. My guest is Kyle Knapp, a student of Southern Methodist University, who has kindly availed himself along the journey to shed some light on how he is confronting some of life's battles. 
If you haven't yet, I'd encourage you to listen to Out of the Abyss, Into My Skin Part 1, which is also a segment of our Modern Family series, as well as a part of our Youth Life series. If you have, you'll recall us revealing that it takes an array of congealed forces to push a person into an abyss and keep that person there. You'll also recall Kyle saying this. So so I was really sure that I wanted to go to battle at this point in time, but I was completely unprepared. You know, I was going to battle without any armor or any weapon or anything. So So I didn't have any tools at all to make this happen. So the process of rebellion was was I was distancing myself from my parents, but I didn't have any tools that I needed to live on my own. So it was developing that tool set and that skill set to um, to be successful and to be able to deal with conflict. So how does one climb out of an abyss? Fair warning. You will not hear on this episode about any parachute with tie line attached being floated down to lift Kyle out of this deep hole. Sorry. I do so love miracles. But you will not witness on this episode angels creeping down into the night and whisking Kyle off into the glorious light. Sorry. Oh, but for a battle, those good old great knights, breastplates and bullets, the bombs of good against the bombs of evil, those lecherous demons being justly defeated by favored lads, you may, I said, may, find those in my grandest novels, but not in this episode. Ahem, ahem, spoiler alert. You will hear in this episode Kyle saying this. What got me out of the cycle, well, I'm not totally out of it yet. Okay. Yeah, so so I don't want to so I don't want to claim anything that's that's not true. This might be a good time to arm yourself with a means of jotting down a few worthwhile pointers as Kyle is about to open the door to his life in the abyss and show us how he has gone about building his ladder, how he's climbing that ladder, as well as his prognosis. These pointers are especially worthwhile, I think, for any of us dealing with an abyss or working on a relationship. Maybe you want to mend a valued relationship or strengthen a valued relationship, or you just want to explore additional ways of being successful or of dealing with conflict or of living your best life. Kyle, welcome back to the journey. Neville, thank you. Let us rejoin Kyle when he started to try to live on his own. At this time, I began to feel very depressed because... I recognized on a subconscious level that this was supposed to be my opportunity for me to develop these skills that were going to serve me for the rest of my life, and I realized that I was going completely against that purpose by falling back into old habits, and I realized that on a subconscious level, um, and I think on a on a on a conscious level too, I realized, man, I really got to stop playing these video games so much. I really got to get my act together, but I just had so few good habits in place that I had so, and I had so little leverage to work off of that I floundered for a long time before I found something that spoke to me and that was and the first thing that spoke to me was what I mentioned earlier the way the superior man that book by David Data and this idea that I could live with purpose and then my whole idea became well if I find my purpose then my purpose will guide me towards developing better habits and developing a better work ethic and developing the ability to deal with conflict in a productive and constructive way. So then my 
journey became about finding what was important to me. So I read a lot of books about different things that I was interested in. I read a lot of books about starting businesses. I read um, a lot of books about finding your purpose. I read a lot of of Anthony Robbins, Tony Robbins stuff, um, which is which is essentially about the same thing, about developing motivation, about uh, developing yourself as a person, and. But all the time you're reading all this stuff. What's what's happening? You're still reading, playing video games. You're not working. I'm guessing. Right. You're depending upon your parents. Your parents are right. I was you. right. I was dependent on my parents during this whole period of time, and I was playing video games most of the time. I would, but I would occasionally chunk through these books every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a, so it was a very slow process because I because. I was still just so ingrained in these bad habits that my time management skills were virtually non-existent. So I would really only read when I was just bored of playing video games because I played them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, what what began to happen and what is continuing to happen is that I would have... Well, what originally happened was is that I realized that it was really important for me to chronicle my ideas and chronicle what I was going through mm-hmm. because I felt like I was doing something because I felt like I was in a really bad place personally mm-hmm. and I felt like I was making a journey out of that bad place and I wanted to have a written record of that so I could look back on that in later years and see what I did and and maybe even share that with other people. Were you thinking that well? Yeah, I was I was thinking that that was right. I was thinking that very early on. I was like, well, I'm going through this tough thing. I'm sure that I'm not the only person maybe by going through this tough thing and having a record of it, I can help other people out. So, I wrote a lot and that was when I developed this uh this this habit of self-reflection. And how old were you then when this was going? Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. I was nineteen when I first really started writing a lot and so, reflecting you're not, a lot. You're not in college now. You're right. not working. You are doing some a little bit of self-reflection from or, or because of your your reading. Right. Exactly. And I was living in at this time I was living in a Vietnamese family's house mm-hmm. because that was the cheapest room that I could find, mm-hmm. and my parents were giving me a very small amount of money because they I think that their intention was was that they wanted to give me so little that I had to come back home so that they well I actually don't want to say that because I have no idea what their intention was so I don't want to put words or thoughts in their head that that didn't but exist it was very but, little money but it was very little money and and the point was is that it made it very difficult for me to find a place to live within that budget um but uh, I found this Vietnamese family who was willing to rent out a room in their house. So I was living in a room in their house. Mm-hmm. And I was mostly playing video games and then engaging in this brief self-reflection mm-hmm. and this brief... Um, and, and then also reading these resources. And just over a period of time, that self-reflection and those resources crystallized into an idea of, or crystallized into uh, more of a self-identity. And I realized what was important to me, and I realized that 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 what was important to me could serve as a foundation from which I built up good habits. Mm-hmm. So what what so what happened? Because you're not a. I know that you're in college now, but at the point of your story, you were out of college and in this family. Right. So, so I think that I was away from my parents for a while, and I wanted to reconnect with my parents, and I wanted to, and I wanted to. Well, I came to a place where I, where where I realized, well, maybe my parents are right about some of these things, and maybe, well, I think actually what it was is that I realized was that developing these good habits and developing these good skills and developing this purpose, um, I can either be doing all these things that are good for myself and playing video games all the time, or I can be doing all these things that are good for myself and I can be in school. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I was that although I was 
spending the time to uh, to improve myself and discover these things that it wasn't taking up that much of my time. And I realized that I would rather be in school because I felt like I my parent my relationship with my parents was becoming more strained, mm-hmm. and and they were becoming more reluctant about sending me the money each month mm-hmm. to pay my rent and for my food. And so I think that at the time, it was sort of like I felt threatened. Like, I felt like, okay, I need to reestablish my relationship with my parents or I'm going to be in in a really bad place because then not only am I not going to have any skills, that any of the skills I need to survive, I'm not going to have any help from my parents in order to do it. And I wanted to avoid that at all costs because I felt like like it could could be a real threat to my survival. so I so I so I said okay well I'll go back into school because I'm smart enough that I can just do the bare minimum of work and just get by and just keep them happy but I won't have to deal with the stress of maybe losing my money for rent and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I went back into school and which school is this? Now? This was Southern Methodist University. I oh, so yeah, I was at Southern at- Methodist University this whole time. At, when I was in school, I was at Southern Methodist University this whole time. Okay. Yeah, so I came back from my sophomore year, and I basically did the bare minimum. Um, so I did just enough to get by, but uh, my parents weren't happy about it because I wasn't getting A's and B's, but, but, uh, but they were happy that I was at least in school. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so let me clarify one thing. Um, when I said I was at um, SMU this whole time, I meant that um, when I was in school. But there was, but after my after my second semester of freshman year, I took a break. And during that period of time, that's during that period of time. So that was from the spring of 2010 until the through the fall of 2010. So basically through the end of that year. And that was when I was living at the Vietnamese family's house. And it was in the spring of 2010 that I went back to SMU for my sophomore year. To start my sophomore year. Uh, um, yeah, spring of 2011. So yeah, yeah. So this so this time that I took off was during 2010 and I came back for the spring of 2011. Exactly. But I still didn't have the good habits in place, so I was still so I was doing the bare minimum to get by because I knew that I just needed to keep the peace with my parents, or I'd be in a bad place. So I did the bare minimum, and I kept playing video games, and both to deal with the stress of, and to and to not, and to escape from the problem that was staring me in the face of. Well, I'm getting a better idea of my purpose, but I'm not acting on it. Mm-hmm. And that continued for a while. And but I was still engaging with this and I was still writing and I was still being reflective and that was really really important. I think that that's what so it was a very gradual process, but because I was playing video games so much and I was writing and reading so infrequently, maybe on the order of once or twice a week, that it was a gradual process, but because I felt, I still felt like I I still hadn't given up on myself, basically. And I still wanted to make something of myself, and I still wanted to do well, um, and, and do, and, and, you know, become my own person, and to contribute to the world in some way. So, I, and, 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 the easiest, the bare minimum that I could do was to be reflective about where I was in my journey. And what happened was, was that I had just had so many journal entries where I wrote, I'm so tired of being where I'm at right now. I want to live purposefully. I want to have these good habits. And I feel like I'm just playing these video games as a means to escape. And I would go back periodically and I would read these old journal entries and because I had this because I had this series of records in place it was very easy for me to see when I was doing well and when I was falling back into old habits because I would record it in my journal and what I was able to do over a period of time is I was able to associate positive behaviors that I was just doing unconsciously with 
with upswings in my productivity that I record in my journal. Mm -hmm. So eventually I began to associate, so I began to realize, okay, when I'm in a negative trend, when I'm feeling depressed and when and when I'm feeling like I'm not in a good place, those that tends to be the times when I'm playing the most video games, when I'm the most antisocial, when I'm not eating right, when I'm not exercising. And then in the times when I I feel the most positive and I feel the best and I feel like I can actually do this, those are the times when I'm playing less video games and I'm writing and reading more and I'm eating well and I'm exercising more. So I began to develop these associations between um, behaviors and how I felt. So so you were only able to uh, recognize these associations because of your journals? Exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that the journals really saved me in that sense, um, in that in that process of being self-reflective and realize because it wasn't so much that I didn't want to change; it was that I had no idea of what worked and what didn't work. No, so I had nothing to build off of. I'm off of it. Okay. okay. After my junior year of high school, so you, you I was I went on it back on it briefly. I think during one period of time, but it's. It's not really as relevant to our story, and it didn't have that much of an impact. Um, so, I over so as I began to realize and associate positive behaviors mm-hmm. with improvements in my overall well-being and my overall purposefulness mm-hmm. in life. Purposefulness uh, is that yeah, word? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So. Um, so I began to develop these associations. So I realized, okay, when I'm when I'm more productive and when I'm having, when I have these good habits in place, I feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that by looking back on my old journals and putting the pieces together, I was able to say, okay, well this is something that I can focus on. If I if I eat better and if I read more, then I'll feel better about myself and I'll feel like I'm in a better place. So what happened was was that I began to do more of the good things and less of the bad things. So one of the things you mentioned is eating better. What What is eating better? <clears throat> During a lot of this period of time, both when I took the year off college and when I was back in college, but I wasn't in a good state of mind, I would forget to eat a lot of the time because I was playing so many video games mm-hmm that I would just ignore eating because playing the video game, I was just so engaged with it mm-hmm. <clears throat> that I would just... Don't eat. I just wouldn't eat because I, I was living in a dormitory at the time mm-hmm. and the cafeteria was... I had to like, it was like a five-minute walk to the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. And to me, taking like a 30-minute <laughs> break from video games was, was not something that I was prepared to do at the time. How are you surviving? Uh, well, I got really, really skinny. I think well, it, you're skinny now, but a good skinny. But well, yeah. Well, actually, I haven't really been eating as much as I should lately, but not for not. But but I'm but I'm in a much I'm a, I'm in a much better place now. I'm just I just feel like I need to be eat more to be at a healthy weight, and and I'm just. <clears throat> But I'm eating enough. <laughs> I don't know, right? So, and I'm eating. Well, well, the well, the key difference is that now I eat a lot of vegetables each day. I have vitamins. I eat fruits. I eat nutrient dense foods. I eat whole foods. I don't eat any processed foods. Um, so I'm just eating much more nutrient dense. Um, nourishing foods, and at the time I was eating a lot of pizza, a lot of hamburgers, a lot of lot of junk. So, when I say eating well, I mean both eating m- more food, and because I find that 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 if I eat too little food, that I lose focus. If I eat too much food, then I feel sluggish. But if I eat a good amount of food, then it gives me the energy that I need to do what I do without feeling sluggish or anything like that. So it was about finding the right portion size, 
finding out um, the right meal distribution throughout the day. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's breakfast, lunch, dinner. For me, I usually eat six meals throughout the day, mm-hmm. but they're all smaller. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just to keep my blood sugar level more stable so that I have, um, because what I find is that if I have three big meals throughout the day, mm-hmm. then my blood sugar will go up and I'll have a lot, a lot of energy and then I'll crash like mm-hmm. shortly before lunch and then I'll have to eat a lot at lunch in order to go, 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 go and then I crash before dinner. So I wanted to just develop a more sustained energy level throughout the day because I realized that that was one of those things that I recorded in my journal that I linked with uh, with feeling better about myself and being more productive was I realized that if I had a sustained, that if I had smaller meals throughout the day and that if they were nutrient-dense, I felt a lot better and I got more work done. No, no, you just said it, answered the question I was going to ask, but I'm going to ask it still. Sure. Because I, because I, I, I think, uh, don't let me put words in your mouth. So you, you were able to come to this knowledge and this understanding and this corrective, you correct yourself purely from the um, reading your journals and seeing your behavior, or did you learn this outside and bring it into the, these habits discovered from your reading or from elsewhere? I don't know. The process that I've always taken is that I'll have these records, all these self, I still journal to this right, day. Right. And I'll have, and I'll record what works and doesn't work. And when I find something that works, I'll do more research on it. Okay. And I'll see, and I'll see how can I, how, and I'll see, okay, and I'll recognize, okay, this is a good thing. How can I make it better? So, okay. so it always starts with the journal, and I'll realize, okay, or or another way that I can start is all is I won't necessarily record it in the journal, but I have a spontaneous idea that'll pop into my head of what if I tried this out, and I'll try it out, and then I'll make a record of that. So it's either comes from my journal or just an idea that I'll have of maybe I could try this out. And I'll record those and I'll see what works best and what doesn't work. And I'll do more research on the things that work well. And I'll try to get them to a level where um, I don't have to maintain them anymore, where it's just become a habit that I just do all the time. Like, for example, eating vegetables. I I never used to eat vegetables at all. Now I eat, like, more than the recommended amount of vegetables per day. And why more? Because why not? Vegetables, I mean, it's eating too... There are people who eat vegan, Mm -hmm. and I don't know a, a whole lot about that because I haven't done research on it, but I do know that they're able to survive and they claim that they feel really good. And I notice that if I eat more vegetables, then I feel good as well. But I still need meat and I still need milk and I still need eggs because I need those protein sources. Mm-hmm. Because I find that if I don't get enough protein, then I will actually start to feel physically weaker. Because mm-hmm. I like to exercise mm-hmm. and I notice that I'm not able to, that I don't progress in my exercise at all, that I don't get stronger in my exercise at all, mm-hmm. and that I don't develop more stamina mm-hmm. unless I'm getting enough protein. Do you, do you have, what's your, what are your preferred vegetables? Do you have any preferred vegetables? Or just yes, I do. Mm-hmm. I discovered that frozen vegetables, I, lo- I, like I prefer to eat organic whenever I can, but organic fresh vegetables are really expensive. Mm-hmm. But organic frozen vegetables are much more inexpensive. So I get, I get organic frozen um, spinach, peas, uh, mixed vegetables, mushrooms, and that's 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 a that's a majority of it. Oh, okay, good. We'll be right back. If you're looking to develop the finest traits of a super athlete, or know someone that should, if you're looking to up the ante in your game, or just want a fun and thrilling quick read, you're likely to return to time and again. Check out the hunk I dreamed. It is available for any of your digital devices from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and your favorite online bookstore for less than the price of a cup of coffee. The Hunk I Dreamed. Check it out. I'm back with Kyle Knapp, who is sharing 
his process of climbing out of the abyss. So I realized that from from this process of reflection that there were things that I could be doing better, so I researched the ones that worked for me and I began incorporating them. And because I was noticing positive results, I started recording more in my journal and I started researching more. So I so I developed a positive reinforcement that um, that began to sustain itself. So I developed these better habits because I realized that if I did a little bit and then I did a little bit more, that I felt better. So it was so it just became like a snowball of positivity where it just it it continued to grow and gain momentum the more that I did it. But I still wasn't completely out of these bad habits yet. So I would go through periods where I would be very productive and I'd be getting a lot done and be feeling good about that. And then I'd have periods where I would fall back into bad habits. And what's happened over time from my sophomore year to my senior year, which I'm in now, is that the periods where I am on a positive streak and when I'm doing well have gotten longer and the periods where I fall back into bad habits have gotten shorter. And my... And I've become clear in my purpose for what I want to do in my life uh, as a result of this reflection and of this research. Because what an interesting thing that will happen is that when I record things and then I go to research them, I'll find out about other cool things in the process of my research, which will expose me to new ideas. And then I'll explore those ideas, and that will expose me to more ideas. So through this process of researching and finding out what worked for me, I became much more aware of what I wanted to do with my life. And that's where I'm at now, where I have a much clearer picture of what I want to do with my life and where I want to go moving forward. And part of that is teaching, because I realize that teaching is just something that I'm naturally drawn to. When my mom got out that box of cards that my uh, classmates had written for me in third grade, mm-hmm. there were three or four cards that said it helped me so it helped me so much when you when you helped me with math mm-hmm. that kids wrote to me so it was clear that i want that i that I wanted to help people out and I wanted to explain things from even a very young age mm-hmm. and it's funny because my decision to become a teacher came before I even found those cards. So I'd completely forgotten about that. And when I came back and realized it, I realized that I'm not really changing as a person and I'm not really discovering this purpose that that is, you know, I'm not like discovering something that was outside of me that I found through research. It's more that I'm becoming drawn to the things that I've always been naturally inclined towards, but I've forgotten. Because now I want to teach, and as a young person, I was very interested in helping my classmates out, and I want to plant my own garden, and I want to do that in a way that helps to restore the local ecosystem. So when I was picking daisies in the outfield, that now and and I had a great interest in nature as a child. Now that's turned into this interest that I have in restoring ecosystems and living in a way that's sustainable with the environment. Mm-hmm. So this process of coming to the place where I'm at now, where I have a clear idea of where I want to go in the future, is mm, is coming full circle in a sense. And realizing what's important to me and developing the confidence and the communication skills to speak about that with my parents. Because for a while I had been at odds with them because I was so confused and I didn't know where I was at and I wasn't sure whether... Because for a while I was in such a bad place that I thought, well, maybe they're right. Maybe it's just as simple as I just need to go to school and just need to get my work done and just need to get my degree and just need to get a job. And I recognize that that just from living on my own and going through the economic realities of paying rent and paying for food and stuff, I realize how important that is because now I have a context to understand that that I didn't have earlier. 
but I also at the same time have a context for what's important to me as a person and what will help me to feel like I'm living purposefully and like I'm like when I am on my deathbed like I can say I I made a positive contribution to the world which is something that is I feel is important. So this process of reconciling with my parents also had had a lot to do with with coming to terms that they were right about a lot of things and I had to accept the areas that they were right about things and I had to accept the areas where I was right about things. So I had to develop the confidence in myself and the ability to discern about where their wisdom could guide me and where my own wisdom could guide me. So I, and, that was, and that was actually how I reconciled a lot of the rebellion and came on to better terms with my parents because I gained a much better appreciation for what they were saying and the truth behind it. And I realized that they had lived it and that they understood it and that they've been through a lot of the things that I'm going through and that I can learn a lot from their wisdom. So, that, so, so now I'm at a much better place with my parents. However, I also realized that a lot of the problems that we were having were just on a level of communication. So we were speaking to one another. A lot of what I found is that with the people that I love the most, I'm inclined to be the most harsh towards because I know that they'll always love me. So I tend so sometimes I can be a little bit too critical or a little bit too harsh with them because I feel like well they'll always well I don't know if it's so much that I feel like they'll always be there but it's just like I know them so well that and and I don't and and I feel like sometimes I need to vent and sometimes that negative energy that I let out I don't want to direct it at anyone that I feel like it'll scare off I guess so for me the that uh, some of that negative energy was getting directed towards my parents so i had to realize where i was putting that negativity on my parents that didn't need to be there and had nothing to do with my personal success or where i was at it was just me venting when i didn't need to put that on them so so now you guys have you guys smoothed that over or in the process of we're we're in the process of and in one of the conversations I had with my parents when I was back home recently I was my mom and I we went out to um go to the grocery store because I was back home on break from college and then I wanted to spend time with my family so I would go out with my mom on errands and things like that to spend time with her and I opened up a conversation where I said um I feel like we haven't always communicated with each other in the way that's most helpful. I have a lot of difficulties in school and and dealing with that and and you guys as parents are very concerned about that and you want me to do well and you want to find ways that you can help me to do better. And what I need most from you right now is is I need your advice and I need you to tell me where I'm going wrong. But more than that, I need your encouragement because I'm a person who's very motivated by encouragement and I'm a person who's very motivated by um, by, by positive emotions. So when I develop a positive association with something, then I'm much more then I then I feel much more motivated to work on it. So I told my mom, I said, I appreciate all this advice that you guys are giving me. I would appreciate also along with it some positive encouragement because I feel like sometimes that's not there as much as I wanted it to be. And I just got a text from my mom yesterday that said, um, you, you know, you've got two weeks down. Um, you're doing great so far. I hope you had a great day. I'm your biggest fan and I just I just want you to do well and I'm and I'm rooting for you basically. And that's all it said and that was just and that was hugely motivating to me. That 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 gave me the boost that I needed to get through that day's work. And that gave me the boost that I needed to 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 feel confident and to feel good about that work. So a lot of the time so so what i'm what I'm getting at here is that 
for me to mend my relationship with my family. It was a process of two things. The first one was determining when to trust my parents' wisdom and when to trust my own. And how I developed that was by getting to know myself better, getting to know my strengths and weaknesses better. And if it's an area where I know I'm weak, then I'll tend to seek my parents out more for guidance because I know that that I just may not be as strong in that area as they are and they may be able to provide better advice to me. And if it's an area where I feel very confident in and I feel very strong in, then I then I will tend to trust my own wisdom in that. But what I'll do now is because I have this system of self-reflection in place is I'll record that in my journal and if if following my own advice isn't working out so well in the situation, then I'll seek out my parents' advice. And if following my parents' advice isn't working out so well in the situation, then I'll reevaluate. Maybe I misinterpreted their advice and maybe I didn't understand what they were trying to tell me or maybe I need to come to a place of, of my own wisdom in this situation and maybe I need to figure this one out for myself. So that was the first thing, was that I needed to learn when to talk and when to listen in that relationship, basically. And the second part was I needed to learn how to talk and how to listen. And I realized that a part of that communication is realizing that different people are motivated by different things. And I realized that for me, positive encouragement was very motivating, so I told my parents this. And they have... And they have followed through, and they have, um, and it's been very motivating, and and has had a positive effect on me. Have they shared with you anything that they need from you? I believe that they, and and they've told me this, and I believe that it is true, is that they just want me to do well. And they just want me to be successful and they want me to be able to take care of myself and they want me to be able to have all the things in life that I want to have. Do you believe them? I I, I absolutely do, yes. And, and I didn't, well, it's not that I didn't believe them, it's just that I thought that they had no idea what was important to me. And that was because I never shared that with them. And that's another important part of communication is that I needed to share with them what was important to me. And the reason why I didn't share that with them is because I had had so many instances early on in my life. Like, for example, when I made that decision where I wanted to go off the ADD medication and that turned into a train wreck, I felt like I felt self-conscious about speaking out about what was important to me and about what I wanted to do because I felt like I had a history of whenever I made a decision for myself, things went wrong. So I wasn't as ready to share those things about myself because I felt like it they would lead to a negative place. So I so as a process of doing all this reflection and doing all this research work and developing these better habits, I developed a confidence in myself and I began to realize the things that worked and didn't work and I began to realize when my parents were right and when I needed to trust myself. And all of these things gave me the confidence to be able to tell my parents what was important to me. And I noticed something though, um, uh, which you, you all your reconciling efforts you speak about your parents and you and how things have come together but when you give examples I only hear about your mom so you you seem from your story to have had some very challenging relationships with your dad in the early stages mm-hmm. you told us that what is he saying in this process my dad is going through a very stressful period in his life. His uh his brother died a few years ago and he and he is and his brother had had a lot of he had a business and he had a lot of people who he was responsible for and and after my my father after my uncle passed my father took on a lot of those responsibilities and my father is also kind of um uh managing my uncle's kids money so so he's so he's both so he's so he has a lot of people that he's accountable for and 
he is very involved in a lot of things with himself and his own business as well. So he's just at a period where he is, my mom told me that my dad is experiencing more stress at this period in his life than she has seen him experience in any other period of his life. So I think that he's just going through a very, through a period where he, he is having a lot of stress. And at this point in time, I think that the only that the only thing he can really look for for reassurance is the results that I bring. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like he'll feel that he'll he'll feel that that I'm in a good place and that we're in a good place when when I'm when I'm delivering those results. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like uh, well, we had a conversation recently because I went to lunch with him and when I was back home. Mm-hmm. And this was the same trip when I had this conversation with my mom and when she pulled out these cards and stuff. So a lot of stuff happened during this trip. And that was actually purposeful because I realized that I wanted to restore this relationship with my family and I realized that I needed to be more open in my communication with them. So that was something that was very purposeful on my part. I could have done a lot of things better, but uh, that's another important point is that for anyone who's out there who wants to reconcile with their parents, Don't expect the first time that you try to do that to go well because it probably won't because there's so much pain and past conflict that you have to move past in order to even begin the healing process that the first time that you reach out may be a very negative experience and you have and for me um, I needed to recognize that and not take that personally because I feel like in the past when I've made attempts to reach out to my parents and they haven't gone well, I just shut down even more because I said, because that just confirmed all my beliefs about like that they're the bad guys and I'm right about everything. Right. So I needed to get past that and I need to put my ego aside and I need to say, well, maybe there's some things that they are right about and maybe the negativity that I'm getting back from them is just, is, is as much a result of things that I've done in the past as it is things that they've done in the past. So the so but I was persistent in in but I wasn't discouraged in the first time because when I first brought this up to my mom she was kind of I I could sense that she was kind of hurt and she felt like because she's my mom and she wants to feel like she knows where I'm at and that she feels connected to me and when I said well I could really I would really appreciate it if there was some more encouragement she her response wanted to be well I have been encouraging to you and my response was was maybe I haven't interpreted what you've said uh, correctly and maybe I have not taken or maybe I have not appreciated your encouragement or noticed it in the past so maybe that was my fault and I understand that and in order for 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 to help me to see that in our relationship it would help if it was more obvious and if you were even over the top about it a little bit just at first so that i can so that i can be aware of it and appreciate it so i needed to approach it very carefully so this is what i'm saying is i needed to put my ego aside and what and everything that i said was true because there have been a lot of times in the past where my parents encouraged me and i just didn't even notice it um so it was so it was so it's a two-way thing it's a two-way dynamic you can't just ask things of other people and and expect them to just happen you have to be willing to give something in return and um and so back to my dad for a second so we had this conversation when i was back on this trip and he shared some things with me that were really, really important, which was that, um, so he had always expressed some concern that I wasn't doing as much as I could and that I wasn't getting as involved with the SMU community as much as I could because in his college experience, the relationships that he formed with people in college a lot of the friends that he had in college, he still corresponds with regularly to this day. And he graduated like 30 years ago, 35, almost 40 years ago. So so for him, those relationships that he developed were very important to him. And 
the networking opportunities that he developed in college were very important to him, and he sees that I tend to not be as involved with student groups and not to be as involved with other people in the local community and the local school. And his concern is, well, when you get a job, who are you going to list as a reference? And how that came about was I asked him, I, I believe this is how how it went. I, I said, is there anything that I'm doing right now that you feel like I could be doing better? And he said, well, yeah, you're not engaging with your community at all. And 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 this is an important point because when he, because I had heard him say this in the past, but I just blew him off because I said, well, that's just the way I am. It's not that you know that that's just what it is. But this time, what I did was was that I realized that if I wanted to get the most out of his advice, I needed to understand why he was saying what he was saying. So I just put aside the fact that I tend to be more. Uh, that I tend to not, or I tend to form relationships with people differently than he does. I tend to get into friendships differently than he does, um, and to interact with my friends. So, so I asked him. So I said, "Why is it important that, or why do you feel like it's important, or what do you feel like I might be missing out on by not being involved with my local, by by not being involved in my university, by being with my school?" And he said, "Well." You know, when you're applying for a job, who are you going to list for a personal reference? And I thought about that, and that was a really, really good point. <laughs> and and it's funny because he had mentioned this so many times in the past. Of you need to be, he had been mentioning this from my freshman year, like from 40 years ago. He started mentioning you need to be involved with your school, your school, your local community, and always been saying this. And I never had a context of why that was important because I never asked. So when I so what I what I've realized is and what I would really encourage anyone who's listening to do this is that if you're hearing the same piece of advice from a person a lot ask them what they mean by it and really explore that. And if they don't give you a straight answer the first time, keep asking them. Find out why it's important because if you're hearing the same piece of advice over and over and it's someone who you can tell and you know genuinely cares about you, maybe you're just not understanding what they're saying or maybe they could do a better job of communicating it or maybe it's a little bit of both. So that's what I mean with this how to, how to, list, how to talk, how to listen. Was I needed to learn to ask the right questions and I needed to learn that when I hear something over and over again and and I'm not implementing it, and I'm not learning from it, then maybe I'm not understanding why it's important. So, so have you begun to be yeah, involved? Yes, I have, and it has made a pause because I, I'm in my second week of class now, so I haven't had a whole lot of opportunities, but, there, but I'm in this entrepreneurship class right now, and I'm really loving the class, and I have made a real effort to be very engaged with what the other students are doing. I'm talking to other students after class to learn more about their ideas, about why they're interested in entrepreneurship, because it's something that I'm very passionate about. There was an entrepreneurship <clears throat> club meeting at school, and I went to that, and I'm going to continue going to that, and I'm meeting people there. So, and and I love it, and it's awesome, and I'm and. And I wish that I had started doing it earlier and that I had taken my dad's advice. But the problem was was that I didn't understand why he was saying what he was saying. So I didn't have any context for why it was important. And I didn't know to ask that. And I also was not engaging with my classes. And I wasn't – so other people can give you advice, but you also need to put in the effort to actualize that I or rather I need to put it in my dad can give me advice but I need to put in the effort to actualize that advice and make it happen so so that's I think the third element of it so the first element is learning uh, for me was talking and listening and then the second element was how to talk and how to listen and then the third element was um, was incorporating that it was understanding what they meant and then incorporating what my parents have meant in their advice and then incorporating that. And as I incorporate that and as I bring them those stories back where I can share those experiences with them or I said, hey, I took your advice and it really helped me out, then that builds our relationship even more. And then that gives them more opportunities to 
for us to communicate and it just it just adds more positivity to the relationship and and continues with that healing process. Now, I know that you had a sister that you bonded well come uh, a lot. You had it's, mentioned her. It's funny because I thought about her earlier when I was talking about my parents and I realized, wow, I haven't talked about Kim at all. Um, yes, so I, I have a picture, a collage of pictures that my sister made for me of when I was a kid, and they're all pictures of me and her, and I keep it on my desk, and I look at it every day, and I love my sister very much, and I, and, and a lot of, and she's always been the person who I could talk to anything about, and I'm so excited for her to see where I go in my life, and she's been such an inspiration to me, and I hope that our relationship continues to be, uh, be as wonderful as it has been. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, um, may I ask about your your um, maternal uh, mother? Oh, my birth mother. Your birth mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a doctor now, you said. That's right. Uh, but uh, and any other updates? Sure. Uh, I have two half sisters now mm-hmm. that I believe are in grade school. So I think that they're that they're somewhere in first through fifth grade. Um, she has a husband, not the man. You said a husband or eight husbands? Oh, a husband. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to clarify that. Yes. There's no funny business going on. <laughs> right, right. She has she has a husband who seems like a very nice and wonderful man. Mm. Not uh, not the same man. That is my biological father. Have you met your biological or know about your biological father? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know a lot about him. Oh. And he did not express a lot of interest in the time at, um, at getting updates from where I was at. He was support. I believe, uh, I'm not exactly sure on the story, so I may be saying something that isn't quite true, but I believe that he was um, at least somewhat supportive of my of, of my mother. Um, if not Your financially, then emotionally. Your birth mother? Right, yeah. during during her pregnancy. I'm not 100% on that. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, so I, I've never met him. I, I want to meet him just so I can see what he's like and see if there's anything that 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 I have in common with him. or I, I also have a suspicion that he must look something like me because I've seen pr- pictures of my birth mother and there's some features that we share, but not too many. So I think I must look more like my dad than my mom. Um, so I've always been curious about that. But, uh, but you know, I, I he never really expressed an interest in, in, in knowing and in, in having any updates about me as I was growing up and stuff like that. Um, and that's fine. That's just not his thing. I understand that. Um, I know what guys are like, and I see that as just kind of like a dude thing. Sometimes we're just we're just not that interested, and I get that. Um, so, uh, so I'm not as inclined to reach out to him because it doesn't seem like he would, like he, like he would think about me that much, or that but he you, would be but as you interested. Don't know that for sure. Where I'm at, no, no, I have no idea. Yeah, he might be very interested. I have no idea, but but the reason why I think I say that is because I don't want to. If I if I do eventually seek him out, I don't want to expect like like I'm going to be welcome with open arms. You know, like like it might just be some dude standing at a door who's like, oh. Well, hello there, son. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Um, so, but my mom, I mean, she's my biological mother. She's always expressed an interest in what I'm doing. And we're so much alike in terms of our interests and our personalities that I have to meet her because I think that she'll be super excited about it. So and I'm super excited about it. Yeah, I found her. I found her on Facebook, actually. <laughs> so yeah, so it's weird how technology does that, man. Because I'm sure that when she was giving birth, she had no idea that that would ever happen. So, so, uh, so I I haven't I haven't friended her yet, but I'm oh, going to. Oh okay. I'm definitely going to. Maybe I'll do it right after this. 
You never know. <laughs> Does she, she knows that you're on Facebook as well. I don't know. Oh. No idea. <laughs> I haven't corresponded with her uh, through that yet. So. Okay. Well, you know, I have learned a lot in just uh, listening to your story. And I'm sure the audience has learned a lot, a lot about how to reconcile with the family, one with another, a lot about how one could um, learn more about themselves, discover their own identity, and take steps towards making it meaningful and purposeful for their lives, and the challenges that there are with growing growing up. I really am glad you you shared the story. I really I really appreciate that, Neville. Thank you. And I sincerely hope that the mistakes that I've made and what I've learned from them can be something that is inspiring to other people and that if anyone heard something that they thought might be useful for them, try it out. And I and I hope and I hope it is. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next week.